Welcome to Stock Odds, Odds and End Podcast. This is Dave and Rob getting ready for the week ahead. Good evening, Rob. Good evening. Well, we uh, are on the uh, back of a shortened week and uh, going into a full week. So um, we'll see. Let's review and then uh, see where we uh, go from here. Thank you for joining me today here. Always a pleasure. Um, yeah, so uh, I just want to review what happened on Friday because uh, it was an important day. It was uh, expiration Friday, third Friday of the month. We have seasonality on that. We'll review a little bit later. But uh, nonetheless, um, we kind of uh, were sloping down uh, from the pre-market high towards the open. And we opened and dropped a little bit. So always watch for um, previous close uh, testing a gap fill, anything like that. In this case, we rejected it. We tried again uh, at the 10 a.m., which half an hour into the day is often a pivotal time to watch. We do also have news that comes out uh, often at that time as well as, you know, the 8.30 session and 10 a.m. So um, keep keep that in mind. But we tried again to uh, to tag the previous close and we failed in a good way, meaning that uh, it started to slope back up, tested the intraday high, and then wanted to go and uh, rally to test the pre-market highs. And then um, we started to climb and we see very high signal here. This is what I mean by high signal, where we're walking the upper Bollinger Band. It's a high signal to noise ratio, and uh, it's pulling back just to the simple moving average, um, which is the 20 period moving average by default there when you're using Bollinger Band. So, pulling back and uh, continue to climb all the way pretty much to the close. So uh, quite a distance between the VWAP. You're not always going to get VWAP uh, reversion. Sometimes there's tests along the way, like what you see here twice, um, but uh, it can certainly distance itself from that. So this was a very uh, important day, um, and um, we can build on that possibly. Uh, this is what it looks like on the daily for the SPY. And this is uh, all-time highs now. We're we're into new territory, and so you can see the uh, the emphasis during the day was to to actually close it higher, get that new high set by the bulls, and uh, they achieved that objective. So did that also uh, happen in other markets? Here's the cues, even a bigger proportionally in terms of a move, and um, it's got set itself quite some distance now between that last uh, low there and so mega caps back in charge again most of them anyway not every one of them but most of them back in charge uh the diamonds uh, now we had a very robust high signal to noise uh move all the way from november uh, so the dow's you know really really had a a great attraction i guess on the back of you know the the other market the Qs, the NASDAQ 100, and even the SPY was up so much for the year, and uh, Dow really hadn't participated at that point. Uh, but everything kicked in, and, uh, and then started to get a broader market rally, started to get uh, some rotation into things that had lagged, and this is what you saw. And now um, it popped back up, but you're not getting that as aggressive of, of a move, again, because this is a price-weighted this is the tracking stock of a price weighted index rather than the uh, market cap weighted index of the SPY and the Qs. 
so uh plays out differently right depends on the on the leadership in the other ones and not so much here although you know stocks like boeing and things can you know exert a a big impact on the dow in any given day but not not the same in terms of behavior as what you see with the spy or the cues here's iwm it is suffering compared to the other indices uh so mm-hmm. it's uh it's hurting it did have a good day on friday so there's a little bit of that uh me too kicked in a little bit of uh sympathy for the strong robust day we had and it kicked in but overall it is certainly uh languishing this last uh, few weeks here okay so as we came into the beginning of the year it uh it's been hurting and the other ones have been holding up okay uh here's the sector performances for friday and for the week so friday technology communication services real estate uh consumer cyclical you know largely more risk on all of these um down here consumer defensive was in last place utilities healthcare uh and industrials was kind of in the middle but as it often is actually it very rarely is the leader or the lagger it's always kind of in the middle so just so you know i mean boring is beautiful that's that's kind of where you you want to live is in the industrials area a lot um but consumer defensive lagged and for the week it did better consumer defensive was number five technology was still in the lead for the week communication services as well and cyclical was down here so really the the week went to risk on overall but there were a couple of days when our defensive list just did better uh than the uh, risk on list so you can't have that you can still have a you know a risk on type day where the list itself doesn't necessarily perform uh, as you would expect because it, it depends on the selections in there and uh overall the uh the the game is is you know if you get a large gap um how can you exploit it the best um sometimes when the market gaps down the best choice is to go into uh the higher beta and the risk on and sometimes when the market gaps up the best is to actually go into the defensive so keep that in mind it's not a it's not 100 percent of the time it's just uh, you know a probability skew to it but utilities uh hurting as we had a bit of a rise uh, overall for the week in the dollar and uh, and the yields um, that affected basic materials as well, and also affected energy to some degree. But again, energy always seems to be down in the dumps. So uh, there you have it. Okay, here's a map of the market for Friday. You can see again, largely uh, the, the the large mega caps and the large caps and, and the technology and discretionary and so on. And then of course, healthcare uh, really having it bad um on friday energy you know held in there okay sometimes that's the case because of a weekend you know there's a, people think their things might escalate and we ha- we do have a problem in the uh, shipping area related to oil coming through the suez canal and red sea and stuff like that so a bit of disruption but uh here's the the market for the map of the market for the week <laughs> and and uh, tesla although it didn't sell down on friday sure had a bad week uh-huh. um and unh as, as well and some of the other healthcare. but let me let me flip this back and forth boom 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 you can see that we're in a kind of market where 
strength begets strength and uh, weakness begets weakness. <laughs> Isn't that what they say? Um, it just seems that way that uh, strong things have gotten stronger and weak things have gotten weaker. Now, we're, we finished a week and we finished expiration. So we often look for a change after expiration. We oft, often look, uh, could the things that performed last week, you know, take a back seat and the ones that had, uh, you know, were, were not favored, could they step take a step forward? We always have to look at that from a week to week basis. So moving on, um, since we saw Tesla here have a bad week, let's take a look at it. Here's the streak that's happened really since the end of last year. Um, and uh, this is a complete opposite to what happened the year before. The year before, Tesla was selling down, 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 all the way to, to two days before the end of the year. And then it started its rally in January and kept rallying and pretty much, you know, held in for the whole year. Um, but this is the, the opposite. It uh, was doing pretty good in November, December, and then it's sold off in January so far. Now, um, there's a lot of competition uh, on the horizon and, you know, there's lots of consumer choices now um, and there's going to be more and also costs, you know, prices are lower for some of the other manufacturers. So I just wanted to take a look and see how is the um you no know, for the week how did the other automakers perform along with tesla so what we have in here is um you know auto manufacturers and some of them are in other countries and so on but but uh here's what happened for the week um we've got that's a two dollar stock polestar dollar 14 so a lot of cheap stuff down here that one's not doing anything uh toyota that's a 200 dollars stock is doing pretty well had a good week as well um this one's 11 bucks livewire bluebird 25 there's honda motors not not as strong as toyota um so then there's gm here and then here's tesla down here for the week let's go to the next page we can see some stuff that really having a hard time. Mullen, here's Fisker. That was uh, <laughs> that thing has been sliding, sliding, sliding <laughs> for a while. It's almost off the board altogether. I mean, not every auto manufacturer is going to survive either, right? Very competitive landscape. A lot of things to overcome, of course. But is uh, Tesla uh, an auto manufacturer or a tech company? So yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's like it's not like Ford. You know? No. <laughs> so anyway, um, you might want to take a look. There's Rivion. Um, it, you know, it's been sliding as well, uh, just as Tesla has been sliding for January. So has Rivian. I do see more Rivian uh, trucks around and vehicles around than I used to. But um, and then Lucid, <laughs> Lucid, that you know, with all the Saudi investment and all that, uh, look at that thing. Its market cap now is about six billion. <laughs> It's uh, it's had a pretty big slide down at two dollars and seventy one cents now. So anyway, um, that's that. Moving on, Nvidia went the other way. So there's there's Tesla sliding all the way down. Nvidia uh, rallying up since the beginning of this year, and it just keeps uh, powering up and getting stronger. And Friday had a pretty big day. 
So let's take a look at it's like how the funding the purchase of NVIDIA by selling Tesla. Totally <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that's not so far fetched. If you were looking to create a, a relative performance type pair where you're long something that has good prospects and is strong and short something that's facing a lot of challenges and weak, well, there you go. Um, both would be working for you, right? Long dollars are working and short dollars are working. That's that's what you want in a perfect world. But it's it's insulated to some degree in terms of, you know, if the whole market just suddenly started to implode, probably both stocks would go down. Um, you know, you when you have bigger catalysts, you get a more of a market of one. Um, and then when the market is doesn't have those catalysts, then that's where the real separation happens. So uh, it wouldn't be safe as safe as having a very related long short relationship but i mean it still has offers a little bit of protection but sometimes i find even if you're creating what what's called an anti-pair like two stocks that are that aren't related but yet you want to exploit that i like putting them in a spread and then actually watching the spread because it's easier to see it smooth it's easier to it takes out some of the noise um, and you can really pick up on that divergence or convergence in those you know two two instruments that you're, you're trading um, and also it feels differently because you when the market rolls over you, you know you might see at that point that they both pull back and the market rallies they both might rally a little bit but one is obviously outpacing the other one so it just gives you a different feel being in a spread trade than being naked, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Tried it before, right? So you got it. Um, now, for all that NVIDIA has been doing, it's still not the one that had the most performance for the week. NVIDIA came in at 8.52% for the week. Qualcomm was higher. Avco, and we don't trade it that much, is some $1,200 the share but um rambus came in at 10 sgh 11 arm at 12 tsm was a big catalyst for amd this week and uh, tsm's earnings and so T- amd it took it with up 17 percent this week but it's not the leader for year to date nvidia is at 20 and and sgh at 20.92 so so it's still a little bit behind year to date, um, but and over full year, of course, Nvidia is up 242 percent, where AMD is only up 147 percent. And then on the other side of the equation, you've got uh, things that uh, <laughs> not performing at all. <laughs> so down here in the dumps. All right, enough of that. So here's the US dollar. Um, Dave and I talked last week about watching for this breakout and using it. So we were in a channel and we moved in this direction very significantly. And um, and that did rock a number of sectors. Okay, so that was Monday. Sorry, Tuesday was the first trading day of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So on that Tuesday, you know that that rocked a lot of sectors and we pushed all the way up to the 200 day moving average 
And, uh, and so that was, uh, that was a good alert for our community. Dave there was saying, uh, hey, watch the direction of the dollar and use it to your advantage. So the 10 year note that uh, moved down and like hit the 50 moving average here and bounced and closed right at the 200. So that moved that way, which meant that yields went up. The dollar responded as well. That That's impacted by yields and um, some pretty good movement in the course of the week. But on Friday, it did dip and hit the uh, 50 and back up to, to 200. So that reversal there contributed to the rally that we saw on Friday. Now, third Friday of the month, on our seasonality calendar was supposed to be pretty positive for IWM and for the SPY and um, and for the Qs and just the other stuff that you put in here too, if you had checked them all. So it was a positive day. Here's what the stocks looked at, like at 84% uh, uh, of the universe of 294 that are being represented in this universe based on how these sliders are set. Uh, were positive by percent change. Only 16% were positive by percent change, so negative in that sense. Um, not all of these would have been candidates to trade. Um, we see that, you know, odds of going down, you want higher odds of going down. So this 83.3 is is kind of, more appropriate 75 but when you get to 25 and 37 i wouldn't take those so if we just took some of the ones here that are most robust and then on on this side as well we have to take the ones that are the most robust what do you get you get this so there's 15 and 15 so i included some that were you know 50% chance, but the percentages were okay. So just to even it out and have 15 by 15. Um, but I just want to point out something here is that this was the net change close to close 1.53 versus 0.77. So if you had bought these longs on the close the day before and held them over, that's what you would have got. If you shorted these at the close the day before and held them over, that's what you would have had to pay. So obviously the gains are higher than the, uh, the amount that you lost, which was a good return on capital if you look at it that way. Now, that's not what you experienced if you bought all these at the open and shorted all these at the open and held them to the close. You can see that performance was slightly lower on the longs and the shorts so you would have lost money now the ones that aligned in our lists uh, contributed positively to the outcome of the lists for friday um, we find that on average for bigger events like expiration or first day of the month or last day of the month um, or even first friday of the month they uh, there is a contributing factor by seasonality, even from the open to close. But what I wanted to demonstrate here is by by taking such a large list of 15 by 15, that from the open, you had less performance from your longs than your shorts, so you would have lost money. But what I want to point out is, look at the gap 
on average, the gap was 1.13 for the longs. And down here was 0 0.04. And the biggest problem was that Wayfair gapped up 13.95% and then pulled back 3.22% to close up 10.28. So actually from the open, it was a weak stock. But from close to close, it looks like a very strong stock. But you wouldn't pay that. If you were doing a list and you spot check to see how these were set to open, that wouldn't have been one that you would have said, hey, I'm lining up to buy that up 13, almost 14%. It would not be included. So my point is watch for these outlier type gaps because you don't want to pay that because this is what you will often experience you will often have a pullback of, of significant magnitude from something that opens really extreme. So um, if, you know, if that had been uh, taken into account, then that would have, and, and you'd eliminated that altogether, you would have improved this number here tremendously, right? It would have been closer in line, right? But still, um, you know, most of the time it works out where your your longs do outperform your shorts even from the open to close um but there is still a benefit sometimes depending on discounts that you get to actually go in and take it from uh, like an overnight trade you know that's that's where you get good benefit in the turn of the month effect taking it from the close of the last trading day of the month to the open or to the close of the first trading day of the new month that having that turn of the month effect work for you could often mean not just participating in the symbols from the open to close but actually engaging them if they line up right the way you want and taking them overnight okay now imagine that you had wayfair overnight you could have sold it into the gap up almost 14 percent. now that would have been pretty robust right so um, that would have been even better for you than this close to close change because it did drop from the open to the close. So there's lots of ways to slice it. The other thing I want to point out is with these types of lists, you could have done the long and then, you know, use the spy or use the, the diamonds or use, you know, or sector ETFs. You could have made a compilation either of one ETF like the spy or a number of ETFs and worked it that way so that you didn't um, also use an equivalent amount of shorts. If you're tighter on capital, sometimes that's the better way to do it is to take your best uh, insightful, um, you know, symbols that, you know, you can do some homework on uh, along with the seasonality calendar and take those select and then have your ETF standing by. So lots of different ways to slice it, okay? Dave. What do we have with the economic calendar? Yeah, so early in the week, there's not much going on. There's some US leading economic indicators on Monday, nothing on Tuesday and Wednesday. A little information about how the services are doing versus manufacturing. But the big thing is on Thursday, we have this Q4 GDP report, and that shows us um, how the economy is holding up or, or not. So that's gonna be an important one. And there's also some housing data, new home sales and retail. 
And Friday, there's um, personal spending and income. So how is the consumer holding up? So the, the themes for this week are really on Thursday, Friday, uh, how inflation is doing in terms of affecting the growth of the country, the GDP report, and then how the consumer is holding up with the, that inflation. So those are the, the key things in terms of economic reports. Any, uh, Any uh, earnings reports? Um, one second. Let's see that. And then you had some thoughts maybe on um, some of the, like since the markets made brand new all-time highs, yeah. uh, any any uh, symbols, uh, how many symbols are making brand new highs? Yeah, so I, I took the S&P 500 and there was like 60, um, 52 week highs out of that 500. But it was very skewed to the big caps, the large caps. So, yeah, right. uh, like if you look at um, the IWM in December, all the talking heads were saying, oh, come 2024, it's going to all reverse. It's not going to be led by large caps anymore. It's small caps, small. And then as soon as 24 hits, it's the same story as last year. The, the, the big seven and the, the mega caps are still leading and they're making the, the new 52 week high. So, it's almost contrary and the, the the talking heads but it's like the same story as last year right right um well let's take a look at um while you're looking up earnings if there's anything uh, i'll just there's, go and there send are two, actually. Two tuesday we have netflix that's an important one okay and yeah. then wednesday tesla so that's appropriate you were just bringing up tesla as a chart so yeah we'll see if anything one. changes uh, changes the narrative there uh you know because uh it's been facing some problems, but maybe the selling's done on, maybe there's a new catalyst uh, on earnings. And it's also the conference too, like, you know, the analyst meeting Q&A and stuff like that. So keep that in mind. And Thursday there's Intel. So there's a couple of good big ones this week, yeah. Netflix, Tesla, and Intel. Those are big, big names and they could have market uh, influence as well. Um, so since uh, the futures opened, we popped up right away when they opened at 6 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. We roared to a high two hours later, and we pulled back from that a little bit. Um, there was some China participation um, and, you know, some excitement on some of those stocks, I guess. But uh, it seems to have faded. S&P 500 is a little bit stronger than the diamonds. Let's take a look at the Qs where we have all our technology. That hasn't pulled back much after the rally. So we've had a, a pretty good spurt here. So the problem with new market highs is there's nothing to lean on. It's like blue sky, right? Nothing to lean on, no numbers to lean on on the upside. So keep that in mind. Russell has lots of numbers to lean on. <laughs> so that's a little different, um, but uh, it's also elevated. And the VIX uh, has been pulling back again from where it popped up to, now it's pulling back. Uh, take a look at our metals. Gold should be suffering a bit because of the dollar. So let's look at the currencies here. U.S. dollar since uh, they opened at 6 p.m. It's it's hanging in there okay. So that brings us to the next slide here. Other items and food for thought. So Argentina president's address to WEF should be required reading in every school, college, and university in North America. In my opinion, um, and it's just an incredible address. If you guys uh, want to look it up, uh, I think that uh, he's making a big change in Argentina and uh, what he presented 
in his speech to the Davos uh, WF meeting there um, was uh, what should be thought about and, and taught in our school system for sure, because we've drifted a long way to socialism in terms of mentality and activity. So I think that's a really good thing to take a look at. And then we also had the WEF panel discuss Trump as a threat. You saw all of them yakking about that. And then uh, DeSantis now drops out. He blasts Haley and endorses Trump for president. So the Trump impact. So so it, we don't have to wait to the elections. Uh, be, you know, because I mean, something could change between now and then. But if this is if this is what's happening now, uh, in terms of getting more traction, then that could impact various things. So you have to take a look at his 2024 platform and what, you know, the the emphasis is on. So that could affect the dollar and treasuries, could affect oil, could affect pharmaceuticals, could affect the military and law enforcement spending and could affect industrials and construction and even big tech. So all those areas to me are something to watch because if if his currency is rising in terms of potential, you know, of becoming elected president once again, um, then the market's going to start factoring. And these are the areas that could be impacted. So keep that in mind. And defense contractors could actually sell off. So the question I have is why? So the, we we would expect more spending, but of course, the problem is, you know, that has to go through the system and, and actually the budget has to be increased. And he, he still may not be able to do that depending on, on the lay of the land with the uh, House and Senate and all that, so it it may might not be possible to increase the defense budget. But the other thing is, I remember Europeans and other people from around the world telling me that when he was president before, that uh, the world was safer, and um, you know we didn't we didn't need all this stuff. So, I mean, he has, you know, he has banter about what he'll do with Ukraine or solving the Middle East thing and all that. So who knows uh, whether any of that's possible, but the defense contractors might actually see less revenue, especially if the entrenched interests in terms of the warmongers, you know, that keep things going all the time and benefit from it. Uh, if that actually gets addressed, then uh, the defense contractors could sell off. So like, don't like, it has to be looked at two ways. One, that there could be a lot more emphasis on building up our military. And at the same time, the defense contractors could respond that way, or they might actually sell off. Um, I don't know what you think, Dave, but I, I like to look at things, you know, both <laughs> ways, right? Two scenarios, you know, so, um, RFJ, uh, RFK Jr. could actually contribute more to a Trump victory than most people realize. The reason is 
because maybe in the dilution of the votes that could go to, you know, the, the Biden situation or or whoever else, if it's not Biden, um, so he could pull some votes away that 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 dilute that situation and actually contributes more to Trump's victory. So um, I don't think anybody thinks that he has a chance of winning presidency, but uh, he certainly could help contribute to a Trump victory indirectly mm-hmm. <laughs> as a Democrat. <laughs> so look at it that way. Um, recent consumer sentiment shows confidence in the economy and inflation. Those are the numbers we're seeing. Um, and if the economy is this strong, July might be the first rate cut. What have they been? Have you been noticing, uh, Dave, the CME um, projection tool there? The FedWatch tool has been dropping because we had it really high for May and then it moved up to April and March even and really high. And it's been dropping for those months. Um, And I think, you know, if the economy is still robust and the labor market is still robust, it could be July that's the first rate cut. Yeah. And especially if, you know, going through the summer, um, Trump is getting more. traction and you know the democrats want to fight back uh, and boost the economy you know i mean indirectly that happens we know it happens uh anyway um russia suspends lng exports um there's a lot there's a lot going on in terms of the and that was because of the drone attack there's a lot going on uh, in terms of disruption to energy-related uh, things. So I'm still expecting that we could have a very discounted energy market perk up its head. Maybe uh, Trump contribute, contributes to that a little bit. Maybe the uh, shipping thing that we talked about last week contributes more to it. Maybe the expansion of uh, war throughout the Middle East you know, contributes to it, but uh, it's certainly a contrarian play at this point. Um, yeah, and then I don't know if you guys saw the WEF stuff about uh, the carbon tax and some of the debates that were going on, but um, basically Saudi Arabia put forward that, you know, there's 600 million people in Africa that have no electricity at all. And should they not be allowed to tap into all of their natural resources, both natural gas and oil, and grow just as the developed nations have used, you know, fossil fuels to reach the status that they currently have, right? So mm-hmm. uh, we didn't reach our, we didn't reach the status that we had. The developed world didn't reach it based on s- solar. Right. It did it based on fossil fuels. So um, that's the argument. Um, Anyway, there was a lot of different things put forward, but um, we've been fearing this sort of carbon tax, what that might look like. But it it seems pretty muddled when you when you listen to all the different contributions to both sides of it. So anyway, uh, we'll leave it at that. Just food for thought you know, different things. And uh, the market factors in everything that it knows or can anticipate. 
It just doesn't factor in surprises. Okay. Good luck. All right. Take care.